Hello! Before this episode, I just wanted to give you all a little bit of a content warning for a spider that is prevalent within the episode. Uh, One of the characters that is played is a spider, but we do not describe or visualize this spider in any way, only refer to them as a spider. I just wanted to give you all a heads up before starting the episode, in case that is something any of you want to look out for. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy the episode. I think this is a really cool uh, story to be told in a pretty interesting place that maybe is drifting on the edge of dreams. The Haith is a land of endless possibility. Between vast stretches of land and sea are communities of animal folk, living life and sharing in its wonder. Flocks of buggy creatures also share in the bounty of the land, from herds of bumbles to beetles to moths delivering letters by moonlight. And although the war was recent and not forgotten, a widespread culture of hospitality and kindness fills the hearts of many. The lonely conquerors of the past will remain as such. So what are you waiting for? Journey is out there, just waiting for you to dive in, and stories are waiting to be found. Come join us for another adventure and see what lies ahead. And don't forget to start with your left foot forward. And welcome to Left Foot Forward. I am your host, Jonah, or Daisy, and this is a Wander Home actual play series where we build the wonderful land of Haith together and fill the world with beautiful stories. Wander Home is a game written by J Dragon and published by Possum Creek Games. If you wish to check out the game, you can uh, find it in a link. Uh, you can find it. You can find a link to it in the episode description. Uh, to find all the good stuff there. As always, I am joined by a guest today. Uh, why don't you why don't you say hello? Uh, inter- introduce yourself to the class, as I say. Hello, everyone. I am Nathan Cavalier, voice of Wheel of the Weird role- Roleplay. I have been roleplaying since... Can you hear me? Yes, I can. I've been role-playing since uh, I have been role-playing since 2014. By this point, I have played likely over 20 systems, and I am now in the process of developing my first uh, role-playing system. My favorite uh, one uh, games tend to be those that have a GM-less story game or narrativist elements, like Wander Home, or ones that focus on themes of horror and tragedy, unlike Wander Home. <laughs> my, uh, Guess you got the best of both worlds there. My uh, my favorite games in the past haven't have included some more comedic things like a Fiasco, a Baron Moonkalsen, or Paranoia, as well as some more tragedy-based systems such as Call of Cthulhu, Ten Candles, Never Going Home, or Raid the Oblivion. 
I think that says mm-hmm. uh, those need to be known about me. All right. That's, that's awesome. And, you know, I guess it is comedy, but I never really thought of Fiasco as a comedy system. <laughs> I guess it works that way, too. Yeah, there's definitely, uh, I've seen a few different actions. It's, it is undeniably a comedy. Somewhat darker comedy, sometimes not. Though I will say that Fiasco itself is significantly lighter than its source material, from what I've learned. Yeah, uh, sounds like a good list of games. Uh, I probably don't have as many under my belt. I know of definitely, definitely a lot of those, but uh, sadly, I don't get the time to play all the ones I want to. Uh, either way, welcome to the show. I, I'm I'm excited to have you here. Uh, a little bit of what we're gonna do is well, play some Wander Home. But first, we're going to go through our character creation a little bit, where you can tell us about the character that you're bringing and as much or as little detail as you want before we jump into some actual play and see how you meet uh, my character, Mina, and explore the world. Um, I'll also try and throw in some interview questions in here and there. Uh, you definitely already hit some of those those points right off the top. Um, so my first interview question is probably already answered, but do you want to tell us any more about your experience with, with TTRPGs? Um, I know you've said you've been playing them for a while, many different systems. Uh, do you have a favorite system? Like, strictly or 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 just kind of what you touched on before i think the question that has to be asked there is by favorite system do you mean favorite system as in the mechanical elements favorite as the stories in the community around them there's several different dimensions yeah i mean you're you're definitely right there's definitely no one dimension to judge that um so you if you have one for each or (laughs) You could you can talk about those or just uh, I don't know. Do you have any favorite thing, favorite game that help you? I don't know what what's a what's a game that you have played recently that has helped you create a story that you really enjoy, like your favorite story you've created. One of these one of the systems that I am more favored by is a. Belonging Outside of Belonging's Dream Apart. I don't know why I didn't mention that. That's close to my most... Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I especially like how that one has a very solid way for creating conflicts and the dynamics in a story that are driven by players rather than outside events. Mm-hmm. Makes for some very dramatic ways to explore character personality. Obviously, it often goes in darker dimensions than Wanderhelm. But... <laughs> That's true. I think Wanderhome can get get relatively dark as well if if we let it and if we if we want, but definitely nothing as uh, as intense. Um, I definitely still need to to check out Dream Apart, Dream Askew, basically the instigators of belonging outside of belonging. But uh, I definitely think I could could wrap my my hands around them and and really enjoy them. But and two of my favorite systems, which the system I'm developing was actually made on the merger of these two very different systems of 
Call of Cthulhu in Fiasco. Okay. That's, uh, yeah, there's, they're different, I guess, but I can see some through lines. It seems very interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. They have, uh, once again, I've, I've played quite a few many games, uh, pinning down my exact favorites. There are some whose I really like the system for, but it's, but it's, but it's harder to, but some, but it's harder to get groups for or arrange or. Yeah. Scheduling is the bane of all existence in GTRPGs. Yeah, actually, as a general, I don't. I think Call of Cthulhu has the most one of the most elaborate, over complex, and confused systems. But the thing is, you can always get a game for it, and I actually like the stories told from it. It's. I found that there's sometimes I really like the stories told using a system, even if I have an issue with the system itself, mm. or I will sometimes really like the system but find that the stories are a little lackluster. Paranoia is the opposite dimension of that of a game, which I think has one of actually one of the most well-built and robust systems as forever, but can end up feeling very shallow at moments. Hmm. Do you think there's any, uh, I don't know, any, any merit in, in that as well? Like maybe that is kind of just part of the game too. I, I haven't personally played Paranoia, so I, I don't specifically, uh, have a have a touchstone for for what you're talking about that but i don't know i feel sometimes maybe that's part of the design where it like keeps you thinking about what could have what you could have done or, or what could have been more uh yes i would certainly say you could use it to and that being said i don't always mind the more comedic paranoia games it's just that they can get repetitive is my main one mm, there's also a fair. few games where you know, I really liked running it the first time, but then running future sessions, I've realized they're kind of repeating the same story over and over again. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, um, where was my brain? There's my brain. <laughs> uh, do you, um, you, you were talking about getting into game design a little bit. Uh, that's definitely something I've been treading on. Uh, definitely haven't d- dove, divin, dived <laughs> full in yet. Uh, not sure how much about your own system you can talk about, but um, is there what what pushed you to uh, to go into game design? Uh, I'm g- gonna twist my next question a little bit, which is what keeps you coming back to TTRPGs? But what uh, what made you take that step from you know? playing a bunch of different systems, liking the stories you write, but then deciding, yeah, I'm going to write something out. The main thing that I was noticing is right here we're doing an actual play, is mm. I realized that I was seeing a lot of potential in these, act- like, actual plays don't tend to get the most watch, even like something like Critical Role in comparison to most forms of theater. And I, I was mainly kind of thinking through these actual play things and it kind of occurred to me, I think it was actually after watching a fiasco one, that this could really... That a lot of these systems probably have difficulties with these actual plays or viewership because they have... They're not made for outside audience, so there's a lot of out-of-character talk. There's some very difficulties with pacing. It can take very long times. Some of these campaigns can take very many hours to tell. What inspired me to make my system was actually observing these elements of actual plays and making a system that was specifically designed to make actual play stories. 
one that was specifically made with the intent that an audience would be watching and that it should be as good for them as well. And that is something which I, although some systems are better at replicating this than others, things like uh, some of the more rules like one's cutacorium, fiasco, belonging outside one, do work better for that format. There's still some very uh, out-of-character talk that can kind of be showing, not telling, and and be elaborate that not that won't always be fun for an audience. So I was kind of trying to fill a niche here, which I just never saw in in role playing before, and that's what inspired me to do this. Is I kind of wanted to turn into a direction that these actual plays can be grown more in popularity or recognized as actual theater. It's not just a way to learn the system; it's a form of an art in and of itself. Interesting. That I definitely see see some crossovers there. Um, I I don't know. I, I I don't listen to too many actual plays. I guess. Um, also, sorry if there's some background noise right now. <laughs> um, I I don't know. I, I've I've tried to listen to a lot of actual plays, but I I have definitely gotten through the block or to the block of like if I'm. If there's certain ones that I'm definitely dedicated to, it's kind of hard to put in the time to get dedicated to another one. So I, I definitely understand that, especially since there's so many out there. That's um, one of the main things I was responding to is probably your difficulty is to watch an actual play. How many hours does it take? Like to watch a full yeah. series? Yeah. Multi- like def- possibly 10 or more sessions, each three hours long. It's very inaccessible to an audience. Uh, one of the things I was, I was working with is using the fiasco elements to can we tell a complete story in under, you know, in under in like less than three hours and cl- something closer to one or two. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. that's an element of story games and GM systems in general that I picked up on and I'm trying to, I'm trying to make it so that it's accessible even to like people that wouldn't play in world playing games. Yeah. So it's kind of like um, looking for a crossover between like, somebody deciding to watch a TV show or something and, and actual plays trying to get to, to get the attention of the, uh, or, or draw in somebody who might not already be in the, in the tabletop scene, I guess, as I would say. Yep. That's a good way of putting it. I guess I should also uh-huh. state that since this is being brought up, I'm, I am, getting into the very final stages of doing this. I've already got five playtests under the belt. Probably not many more mechanics are going to be fleshed out. I am very much in the later stages of designing that. All right. That's super cool. Well, uh, if any of the listeners, that's right, listeners, I'm talking to you. If you are interested in checking that out, um, I can definitely throw some links in the episode description for, for places you might be able to find it. Uh, when it's officially released, or I don't know if you have any like, uh, I don't know, messaging messaging boards for updates on on the project as you're going, Nathan. But probably uh, the best thing you want to is I'll in Discord I will send you the link to the my website. Yeah, and and I'll put those in. So you know, any listeners, if yeah. if that sounds super interesting to you, if you're looking, you can go at, check that out. If you're looking it up, it is a uh, Domains of Shadow, the 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 GMless story game of Gothic horror and Shakespearean tragedy. All right. So, uh, I guess introductory TTRPG stuff aside, uh, 
let's get to the purpose for this session. Let's talk about Wander Home and let's talk about your character. Uh, so I know you uh, you sent me a little character kind of idea before, but do you want to uh, tell the tell the listeners what playbook you are using? And uh, if you want, we can start going through the the playbook options and, and learning a little bit more about who your character is. Of course. So obviously we'll flesh out some of the more specifics in character. But as a general concept of your character that's going to be sh- shaking everything is I'm imagining a spider folk in the ruins of a long abandoned outpost. Many years ago during the terrible revolution there was a quiet camp in the mountains, occupied by the king's forces. Spider spent several years there cooking meals, weaving clothing, preparing shelters, making medicine, performing other tasks to help the, the soldiers survive. But that was many years ago. Once the war was over, everyone gradually left the outpost to return their homes, before any action even occurred there. Spider, however, wasn't willing to leave. They felt a sense of community and purpose in the outpost that they couldn't get in the surrounding towns. Not only that, but leaving now felt like abandoning and betraying the people there, even if all that is left is memories. The spider became, now into our playbook, a caretaker for the few small and forgotten gods that remained in the camp. Years have gone by, and the spider still remains. Deep down, they know they ought to move on. They still feel attached to the scraps that remain to this place to do so. So that sets us up with caretaker. All right, I like that. You know, the caretaker is one one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite playbooks so far. Yeah. Definitely, definitely resonate with it. So that's really cool. Uh, and. At the moment, so far, I do. I like. I like what we've set up. Your story with this, this outpost. Uh, so, to to bring us in, do you have a name and pronouns for your caretaker in mind? Your spider folk. So, as for name, uh, what are the naming conventions like in Wanderhome? I couldn't find any information on that in the book. I mean, there can be as as, I mean, there 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 is no direct naming conventions in the book, uh, so you can kind of name your character however you want. Uh, at least how we've been playing is, you know, within the Heathland, there's many uh, many places with many different cultures, so you can have a naming convention that that fits for your idea of your character. You also don't need a name for your character if you do not want one. I think what could be interesting to do is, um, with the names and pronouns, like, they probably do have some interaction with the town, but people probably don't call them by their names or pronouns. They might not have thought through that yet. Like, I can imagine even kind of an interaction going on with Mina, Mina's the character, like, Mina, when she asks those things, and they probably don't have a good answer to that. Okay. I think they're, they're probably one of the things we're going to to explore in this is what do they choose as their name and what does that mean? Mm-hmm. 
kind of a discovery of, of, of who they are uh, after everybody else has left. Yeah, because obviously the thing we're playing with is they're still attached to this place, that an identity of a community that's no longer there. Mm-hmm. So probably the kind of the thing is they're realizing that. And maybe the small and forgotten gods will even help them out with it, realizing that. Yeah. That, that you know, by trying to stay attached to their identity, they've lost it. I like that. Uh, and for an animal, we, we've already said spider, but uh, do you have an idea for like on the on this choose an animal list, the the two last options are like a reflective animal or a quiet animal? Do you feel like your your spider fits either of those categories or or is it just completely off of this list, which is also valid? I would say reflective, that depends really on your culture's individual depiction of spiders. I'm from Maryland, so they're not looked upon too highly, but I could see both of them being interpreted as definitely quiet. When was the last time you heard a spider make a noise? Okay. I mean, also, your character doesn't strictly have to be characterized by, uh, by, by spiders in our life. If you, if you want them to be reflective or, or even boisterous and talkative, you, you can have that too. We'll see about that. I think for this one, mostly quiet and definitely somewhat reflective. Okay. Yeah. Uh, definitely kind of just seems like observing the area, kind of living with, with what's there. I guess if we're looking more specific, I'm imagining a, uh, I'm, I'm imagining probably a crab spider. Okay. Let me actually look up a picture real quick. Don't look it up if you're afraid of spiders. I would hope that that would come through, but uh, I know sometimes people don't always think through that. Yeah, I'll definitely, um, have a little disclaimer at the beginning of the, the episode. No, that being said, I don't, I don't have a cynical view of spiders. I'm not going to describe them in any way that should be gross or horrifying. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'm trying I've to make a... it. But yeah, uh, cool. I I have I have an idea of of your spider caretaker at the moment. Yep. Uh, if we want to continue through that character, uh, the playbook yeah. sheet. Yeah. You have. I've... Two you value being, and two that you feel exhausting to be. Okay. So I think I've already... Uh, choose two that you value being. Probably value being, I'm going to say... Organized and friendly. Okay. I think they... I think uh, even though... Uh, I think that's kind of what they're... Now that, you know, the, the outpost being abandoned, abandoned and it's just them, it, it, them and the small and forgotten gods, I think they've they've largely defined their identity around... They, they see themselves like as a caretaker or as someone like tending to them. They probably feel a sense of purpose and like you know some people that that would like raise animals you probably they probably treat them similar to that and okay. they kind of like being able to organize or like having that kind of responsibility to 
I don't really know how the small and forgotten gods work. It's kind of vague here. I think you kind of need to pay them tribute for them to stay. Well, I think you need to feed them in a spiritual sort of way. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I think Wanderhome is intentionally vague in a lot of a lot of areas to kind of give most of that agency to the people playing. So if that is how you see like these small and forgotten gods that, that are with this spider working, uh, or maybe even that's just the spider's in uh, first inclination of maybe that's what you're supposed to do to keep them around. Um, then, then I see that definitely, definitely working and being interesting. Uh, and maybe we learn more about, their actual uh, what they actually mean as we play too so for the exhausting um, probably alert and reflective mm. because you know she has to I don't quite know how hostile the place of Wanderhome is but like to tend to these things here it's this outpost wasn't intended to be run by one person, so she probably, mm-hmm. she, he, them, that, no one, they don't speak, but they probably feel kind of stressed that they're the the only ones kind of, kind of, uh, being able to attend this place now. They, they probably can't actually do it, and part of it is crumbling and falling apart. Oof. And that's probably where the, ref- and also kind of the reflective thing is, you know, they know that it's, they really know that they can't tend to this place, that they don't have that illusion, but they just feel like they can't leave. Maybe that reflective part is like, they don't want to think about how, they don't want to think about how it wasn't meant to be held up by one person. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) not going to lie, those two things are exhausting for me too in real life. So (laughs) I definitely understand that. I I really like that imagery you, you put in there with like things can be hostile in wander home i guess um there's no violence here anymore in the way that we think of violence as like you know people combating people because you know they're bad or they're they're not good or they like to take advantage of other people but i think there still is the maybe not necessarily seen as violence but like you know natural um you know, there's natural still, environment, natural There's still things. disease, death from old age, uh, coldness, yeah. hunger, all those. Uh, there's still snow and cold. And well, I don't... Well, there's spider nature, they're probably fine with it. Probably some of the, the, the small and forgotten gods are. I think also yeah. part of it, is this something I'm going to touch on, is probably a lot of them don't want to stay there. Mm. And they are probably feeling kind of like... I uh, like, like, kind of like child leaving home. They're probably kind of offended and somewhat upset that some of them want to leave. And that's probably going to be something that's going to be explored here is that probably some of these small and forgotten gods will move on. Mm -hmm. Because now I think it's at the point where even the memories of the place are starting to leave. Yeah. Um, What, what is keeping the small and forgotten gods there? If that's something you have in mind, or if that's something that that you would rather touch on and play, but like if if it is kind of crumbling and 
and most of them are feeling like maybe it's time to leave. Is it just that they're not sure that they want to leave yet? Or, or is there something more important keeping them in the area regardless? It might be just that they've never lived. They don't know what it's like outside of mm. this place. Yeah, it like, might be scary here, but who knows what's out there. Yeah, and also they probably feel connected to the, you know, to the caretaker themselves. They'll mm. probably feel like, you know, how the caretaker doesn't want to leave behind those emotions. Possibly the small and forgotten gods is like, I don't want to leave this old spider here alone to... Yeah. There's probably kind of a connection here. They're both probably trying to hold each other back in a certain degree. Neither of them mm. wants to leave and leave the other alone, and someone's going to have to make the first move. Yeah. Well, perhaps that's something we'll see in play. Perhaps we'll just hang around and, and see what happens. It probably will. I like that so far. Um, do you want to then uh, talk about the the things that describe your look uh, from, from the playbook? You can either choose from this list if you want, or, or if there's anything else that you'd like to add. You don't have to be tied down to this list alone. Uh, I'll take... We can add some, but I think... Uh, let's see. I'm imagining them as probably not being as anthropomorphic as the rest of them here. Or okay. maybe we can even explore them getting more anthropomorphic as they define their identity. Mm. So I'm kind of imagining it... I kind of like the idea of this, like, probably uh, probably the faded shawl. Because it's kind of hard to wrap clothing around the body, so that's the one that kind of works. Okay. Yeah, uh, and uh, we'll probably also have a constant rhythmic tapping. They are anxious. They probably have a lot of nervous, anxious habits that are showing up. Uh, and we can define some other things more. I think we've, I think we've got a pretty okay. good idea. A question that is is uh, at the front of my mind right now. It, we might we might discover this during play, or we might want to discover it during play. But when you were talking about them potentially getting more anthropomorphic as they discover their identity, um, I had. Do you think that right now uh, they themselves are one of the small and forgotten gods? I don't think they've ever thought about it. They might very well be, but I don't think that's yeah, something that it, they've it, kind of, once again, with that fear of being reflective, like possibly that idea has come to their head, but they don't think about it. They push that away. Mm -hmm. Maybe they've cool. become more memory than physical. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but, but still trying to get there. Um, I just thought that could be, <laughs> that could be a cool imagery of like, um, they, Literally everybody left, but but one of the small and forgotten gods had to step in to, to take care of the others. Um, but also, who knows that, that that's they definitely didn't start out that way. But yeah. it could be possible that they've possibly become that from interacting with them so much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I definitely don't want to make any character choices about your character, but but I did want to ask that and, and bring that up because it came to the front of my mind. Um, okay, so then the next thing is, is, oh, sorry, I, I'll, let, I'll let you, let you go. No, you. I was, oh, sorry, <laughs> a fire truck. 
I live right behind the fire department, so they have to go a lot. So I have to wait a lot. <laughs> I think they're fading away mostly. Anyway, I was just going to say, uh, if you wanted to uh, talk about the the actual small and forgotten gods that that hide in the many shrines you carry with you now, but if there was something else you wanted to talk about before that, we can we can touch on that. No, I like that idea. I think the plan that I want to go with is I want to define like two or three, and then the other half can be brought up in gameplay. Yeah, that sounds good. And uh, with whatever that, you see. I would actually like you to describe one of them, and I can describe the other. Ooh, okay. I like that. Let me give a quick look of all of these. Um, huh. Okay. <laughs> so the first one that I saw that spoke to me is Ravel, a god of tangled yarn. Uh, they are cheerful and or witchy. Um, and I like maybe the idea that one of the people who used to be at this outpost was an avid knitter because... <laughs> You know, at an outpost, sometimes you have to wait for a while. So maybe somebody had brought a bunch of yarn and forgot to take it when they left. I am imagining uh, that uh, this is probably the case where, like, it was technically a war outpost, but it was so out of the way that they really just spent like three years up there without ever getting attacked. So a lot of yeah. them took on craft hobbies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and thinking of the, the witchy uh, <laughs> trait... I like to think that maybe it's a little mischievous and will like sometimes roll around some yarn and like make little trip wires. <laughs> to try and tangle people up. Yeah, that's the only something we can explore that. Then uh, I think I'll add in Wode. I think it says Mossy Boulder, but I think it Mossy Building. I think like the god of the moss or the plants that are beginning to grow over the buildings. Ooh, yeah. Is that maybe a symbol for, like, the slow um, crumbling of the building as well, as, like, the nature kind of takes it over? Yeah, I think that's kind of a... That, that's probably one of the newer ones that are coming in, rep, the one that's yeah. representing. That's yes. really interesting. There will obviously be more come up. I'm thinking Wanderhome seems to operate in a vague scene structure like Dream Apart and the others, so... Yeah. We'll, we'll explore the other three through play and we can come up with our own. Yeah, the whole game is just whatever seems interesting to us. So I like that. I like what we got so far. And um, I definitely think even with just even if we do just use the two we chose, there's there's some really good sort of like kind of not rivalry imagery, but one is a god of kind of holding on to the past and one is like pushing forward with the future. Or, 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 or on with time. Oh yeah, the small and forgotten gods definitely constantly bicker. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Do we see a short little scene of Ravel trying to make some yarn out of the moss? We can we can get into a lot of those scenes once we actually start playing. How yeah. long do we have? Like three, four hours? Yeah, um, so... I'm the, planning the... on spending like at max, like a 30 more minutes on character creation, then we can get into all the... Yeah, 
yeah, that that's about how how it's gonna go. Once once we end up character creation, we'll take a little break, come back, and then you know take whatever we need to 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 play into our scenes. Yeah. Okay. I like. Sorry, I'm just thinking about this little ball of yarn rolling around. Uh, let's let's talk about the uh, the last few things in your playbook. Uh, you choose one ceremonial object you still honor, and one you cannot treasure any longer. Um, and and again, you are welcome to uh, to go off of this list if you if you have an idea. Uh, but this is a a good start. Hello? I'm just thinking. I think one Oh, of sorry. The- I wasn't sure if you were talking while muted or not. Sometimes I do that. <laughs> so the... I think one of the things that they... I think one of the things that cannot treasure any longer is I, th- is I think um, probably f- before they left, one of the one of the like soldiers that, that they got re- along well with probably made several candles for them or like lanterns, the box of beeswax candles. Mm. So the reason she doesn't want to hold on to them anymore is that the wax is beginning to fade, and that they can't light anymore. Uh, yeah. So it's like the loss of a. Loss of a sentiment. Back to those memories that are potentially being pushed out. Okay. Uh, then I'll do one that they still... You know what? Uh, let's do this again. Uh, you defined what, what is the object that still has that uh, the caretaker oh. cherishes. Okay. Um, hmm... Uh, maybe gosh these are all so interesting maybe a wide ceramic dish always filled with golden light and we can play around with the golden light a bit if we want but it's bestowed upon you by the many small and forgotten gods who witnessed you as you faced certain death um I think we can and, take the death angle as maybe, as maybe like the, the like the, the Kang or of uh, you know them deciding to stay. Uh, maybe yeah. it's, maybe it's was bestowed up. I think maybe that we could take the moments as maybe one of the gods, maybe one of the small and forgotten gods was, was you know, the first one that decided to leave. Maybe they bestowed upon that before they left. Maybe. I, I was also potentially seeing it as uh, we don't need to actually see a view of it, but perhaps there was a time when when the, the outpost actually did get attacked. Um, and, you know, many of the people there might not have been prepared for it. Um, so it was kind of a, a tense time feeling like maybe this is it, maybe it's not. Um, and And a small and forgotten God had, I don't know, deposited this ceramic dish there. Uh, perhaps the golden light helped drive away the attackers. Uh, 
I do also uh, like the idea of that small and forgotten God leaving too. Perhaps, perhaps the golden light was the small God. And the reason you still honor it is because you're trying to find that light again. Yeah. I think maybe we can take the angle of a, I think I am attached to the idea that's never been attacked. Maybe a harsh winter came in and like the deaths from these, because they are high in the mountains. Maybe they were losing resources and that was kind of a source of water or, nourishment that they Ooh. were yeah and maybe yeah, it's like empty that. now because all of the people in the outpost you know have drank from it mm-hmm. but still decided to keep it i like that so perhaps hoping that it will fill again in a particularly rough winter yeah uh, or chill is the, is the season which actually uh, to bring to my attention um I usually ask about seasons in the like actual play part, but since we're talking about it now, would you be interested in exploring um, exploring chill? Because I don't necessarily we don't necessarily need to keep a structure of like continuing the same seasonal location or, or view from the last episode. But the last session that I did run, we were in the, the the month of snow blanket. So if we are potentially continuing, <laughs> we could be in the month of frostbite, which which is a harsh winter, um, which might be an interesting parallel to that that harsh winter of potential certain uh, facing certain death that we talked about here. Yeah, we can set it during um, Winter Cold and see. I, I noticed that it had five seasons, which kind of throws things off. But yeah, I, I've I've imagined them kind of like a little bit of an they they are a little bit of an analog to our real world season, but kind of stretched a little bit, which is really cool. But we I'm also still trying have to wrap my of... mind. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around Reverse Autumn. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we've we've definitely turned turned the seasons on their head here, um, and I mean I think with reverse autumn and all, it, it's it's basically spring, but it's like the colors are different and maybe characterized by a nicer chill wind than than like hot wind. Um, we've we've had like a sea of fiery trees in the summer, as well as like blankets of muggy. Uh, fog rolling in in the hottest days of the summer um we've had grass that grows taller than the trees that get woven into baskets and uh interestingly enough in the actual autumn of the of the haith that we've made um at least that we explored we said that instead of falling the leaves get more blue and brittle and then basically combust <laughs> into little ashes that float around. Well, so yeah, the, we can turn the seasons on their head if we wish. I, it might also be living in the mountains like seasons became a weird concept when it's so when it's always like that. But Yeah, if you're so high up, it's kind of always a little chilly. Yeah. But then when an especially rough snow blanket and and frostbite come in, it it really presses on you. Yep. 
I guess that leaves us with the final steps as with ceremony. I yeah. don't think the asking to the left and right is going to make sense, given that there's only two of us. Well, yeah. So, so what what I've been doing um, before this happens, I, there is another one of my interview questions, I guess, that I want to ask. But essentially, what they ask one to the right and one to the left is we can each choose one thing to ask each other, and then that's kind of how we can talk about um, talk about how our characters met and kind of what keeps them together. That could be a good fodder for a starting scene. Um, I would like maybe yeah. we can maybe we can uh, maybe we can flesh out the few first elements left. I think it's just traits that's left, and I think you have to describe your character. But um, yeah. What? Yeah, why don't you describe your character while I'm hunting down two traits? Yeah. While while you're doing that, I'll give a brief overview of of Mina. A uh, quick refresher for the audience and yourself. Mina is a moth tender, a large angora rabbit who has, um, <laughs> when I say large, I say, I say very, very large considering animal sizes in our world. She's about six feet tall, very fluffy, uh, has broad shoulders and wears a newsy cap between her slicked back ears, has a little tuft of purple hair that sticks out the front and an orange scarf adorned with little pins. Um, she has a messenger bag at her side full of various papers and notes and packages. And she's curious and trusting, but she is not proper or blunt, which her job asks her to be. Um, she carries alongside her notes and letters a lunar calendar, small reading glasses, a map of the local moth towers, and a sense that I'm in over my head. And additionally, uh, some letters or packages that she carries. Uh, I use carry in big quotes because she may or may not actually have them on hand yet, but when it comes time to deliver, we will deliver. Uh, are a summons from the King of the Floating Mountain for a cheerful old farmer with a big family. A basket of homemade candies for a cheerful young rabbit that just moved to the big city. And one that she found a few episodes ago in a waterlogged tower is a hand-knit sweater for the venerable for the venerable god of the ancient forest. And she always carries with her the wisdom of her caring adoptive mother, reminding her to always be herself and a promise made to her best friend, Elicor, back in Rosewalk, that one day they will be moth tenders in their home tower together. But it weighs heavy on Mina's heart because she's still on her journey. Yeah, I feel like I should say I watched episode two this morning, so I kind of do that. <laughs> No worries. Yeah, uh, choose one. So the traits that I'm thinking of for my character, because the the small and forgotten guns come with their own, is yeah. I'm going to go with the first one is caring, and I'm going to uh, I'm going to do for the yeah I'm going to choose caring, and uh, 
I think given this, I, I think we're in line that uh, one of them has, I think one of them is probably going to be one of the traumatized traits of Lost. Okay. Let's go see. Yeah, I like Lost. So, uh, I'm guessing I should probably explain what those are. Sure, yeah. So, caring... Uh, let me just scroll up to that. A caring ki- kith is willing to die to keep someone else safe. Arifan doctors, farmers, and coroners, among others. Choose one two that they can always do, and I choose protect someone else from the world, in this case it's probably going to be one of the small and forgotten gods, and ask, what do you need right now? The other one, I'm going to go with Lost. A Lost Kith has forgotten how to get back home. In this case, metaphorical. There are often lonely travelers, confused prophets, and those disassociated from the world, among others. Choose one to two they can always do. I'm going to say, express the disconnect between yourself and the world around you. Going to happen a lot. And seek out the help of someone else to anchor you. Probably a small and forgotten gods as well as Mia. Okay. So uh, does that take care of everything? Um, yeah. And then... I guess we could write down the before we embark details, but I think we can memorize those easily enough. Well, yeah, and and we'll 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 talk about that at the uh, when we come back from our break at the, at the beginning of the the actual play, so we can get a little more visual visual stuff with that. Um, but uh so um let's see okay any steps i have yet to take care of aside from the asking questions which we've established would yeah no i think i think we're good on building out your character um my next interview question i guess is is more of what are you looking forward to exploring most in the Haith during this session. We've kind of touched on on some things in there, um, you know, exploring the lost and forgotten gods or the small and forgotten gods. Uh, but is there anything else explicitly that you would like to see in the game as we play? Maybe a specific feeling or maybe a specific location? I think that I would like to see maybe the caretaker spider doesn't fully move on, but I would like to see some growth or some, I would like to see some kind of change actually go on in the outpost. It's not the same that it was left before. And possibly even Mina isn't exactly the same as left before. Yeah. I would like to see some kind of growth in, it doesn't stay stagnant here like it has been for so long. Mm -hmm. Very cool. I like that. Um, And then, Hmm. Okay. Let's let's do this. Uh, every every episode, every session, I always ask my guest to introduce one physical attribute to to the land of Haith. Uh, it doesn't have to be anything super in depth. It doesn't have to be uh, something. It could be. It could be anything. Uh, but essentially, it's just a thing that is present in the world. So the more guests we have, the more just kind of interesting and cool locations that are around 
the hate. Um, yeah, so on, on slide nine, there is a list of previous ones, and you can feel free to either add something completely new or... Um, or expand on one of the existing ones to kind of add your own little flavor to to our Hayfland. I think looking at this, um, let's get into possibly some symbolism here. And I think so. Mina is a moth tender. <laughs> Perhaps the pear tree were the first moth tender tamed or found their first moth. Oh, like the first okay. domestication known, possibly this famous, almost religious figure in the past of a moth tender, the tree that they found it under. Okay, I I like the imagery of the tree as well, because is there maybe at least in the in the legend or not? Is there maybe sometimes telling of the tree itself being the moth tender? Oh, maybe the the first moth tender was a small and forgotten god who taught it to the people? Perhaps, yeah. But it also could be it could be anything really. Maybe it's it's different places have different stories of it. Probably, uh I guess that's what they establish with the folklore. Um, the, you know, the folklore not always being correct. I'd, I'd imagine that probably yeah. everyone, maybe it happened so long ago that everyone has a different telling on it depending on their kid. Yeah. And depending on the moth tower. <laughs> I kind of imagine now that all the, all at the moth towers, all of them have a plaque describing the story and they're all um, arguing Dif- with each other. And just, and I'm kind of imagining that perhaps one of them is like slightly vandalized with the note below. It's like, no, this story isn't true. This is how it happened. And then <laughs> yeah. another one is attached to it from someone from another moth tender. <laughs> yeah, they all have different stories, and, and they and, all, do. yeah. I'm thinking now that maybe one of the official like moth tending logos is just like a pair. <laughs> Or, or a pear tree of some sort. I also think maybe it's a custom for them to write uh, their own story under it, and each of them, as you're going down the line, gets progressively more and more, um, more and more. Yeah. Confusing. I like that. That's really cool. I'd like to imagine that, um, just hearing of the stories about this slobbering god given the wander home, like, part of me is is wondering, like. Did, 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 like, one farmer get into a fight with a fox and then the story got out of proportion? <laughs> that is always possible. Maybe some old lady hit a fox with a purse and it, and it ran off and then the story got blown <laughs> way out of proportion. Yeah. Anything, literally anything, could be possible. Okay. Um, then let's touch quickly. Uh, well, I guess... I should ask, since since you're interested in using the the questions to the right and left as a kind of jumping off point for the narrative and the actual play, would you like to save that for the beginning of the um, of the next quote episode? Uh, basically, when we get back from the break. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Let's save that, and then and then we can cool. probably. 
It's like during the part we'll probably discuss kind of what scene you want to explore next and then go to acting it out after getting a summary in. I definitely have an image of perhaps a reason that Mina is at this outpost is to kind of sheet my tongue will work to kind of seek shelter from from like maybe the chill and, and frostbite storm. We have our characters built. So now 